This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to get right to it tonight. Earlier today, I had an extensive conversation with Fargo Police Chief Dave Zabolski after another armed robbery here in Fargo. Here is that conversation. Chief Zabolski, welcome to Point of View. This is the first time we've had you on the show, so thank you so much for giving us some time. I know you've been uh, more than busy. In fact, just so our audience knows, I want to share with them, we were planning on chatting with you around 1 o'clock today, um, and then this happened. All of a sudden, shots were fired, attempted robbery in, in South Fargo. We all know, obviously, what happened last night as well as the m and How many armed robberies have we had now in Fargo in the last two or three days? Uh, well, this particular individual is, uh, in, we believe, involved in about six or seven armed robberies. And um, I'm happy to, excellent timing on your part, because I'm happy to let you know he's now in custody. So uh, we'll be working on completing all of those investigations and getting thing, all of the evidence together, et cetera, and, and uh, presenting the case to the state's attorney's office. So I guess from the you know public safety perspective, I think a lot of people can rest a little bit easier because he, he was... Uh, but a pervasive, uh, pervasive criminal. So we're happy to say that he is safely in custody. So just for clarity, sir, this gentleman, David, excuse me, Hunter David Havisto uh, also did the armed robbery earlier today, and he is now in custody. Am I hearing you correctly? Correct. Wow. Congratulations. And thank you for the great job your team is doing there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, our Officers and detectives have really done tremendous work on this, especially over the last couple of days. I, mean, I think you know, we're all aware that there is a small amount of people in any city who are responsible for a lot of crimes for a variety of reasons. And that's really where we need to focus our efforts. So we have been uh, very much focused on, on this individual and this uh, recent string of crimes. Um, and then that's, I guess, a little bit of a, a transition in our intelligence and crime analytics. Uh, and a transition in how the team, both in patrol and investigations, uh, prioritizes their work. So we're, I think we're making some really good strides there, and everyone's putting forth a great effort. Uh, it was awfully hot out there today, and everyone was holding fast, um, checking perimeters, yards, and uh, ultimately, with some assistance of our community as well, which was outstanding, uh, we located this individual uh, hiding in a residence. I was just going to ask that question. So you said he'd done six or seven armed robberies as of late. What was the time frame on that, sir? And then how did you find him and where did you find him specifically? Well, specifically, I, I don't want to comment on right now, but he is in custody. And he's, uh, we believe, responsible for a string of robberies going back to Sunday, actually, on uh, the South Fargo area. Uh, so obviously we'll be, you know, putting together those investigations. We've got some, some work to do with that. And, uh, and in looking at other crimes that maybe he was involved in as well. So that's part of a longer process. Um, and our detectives and uh, officers will continue with that work going forward. You know, I want to start the interview, sir, with the fact that we also know what happened with Jupiter Paulson uh, passing away, stabbed almost, I think, roughly 25 times in South Fargo. It's hard for a lot of us that are from here to fathom what's been happening as of late. I guess just your overall assessment of what happened to Jupiter. And, you know, I'm talking to people right now, Chief, that there's almost a palatable fear around all the crime that they see happen in the town. Some people not moving into Fargo because of the crime. Just your reaction to that. Well, I think nationally, we know that, that violent crime is is up. The reasons for that, I think there's probably a lot of reasons. It's kind of early to tell in terms of what the 
all those causal factors are. Um, but even though it, it feels like, and maybe there is, you know, more violent crime in, in certain areas of the city, um, I think, again, we are heartfelt condolences to the Paulson family. Um, and that was a terrible, very terrible situation. Um, and the only thing you can say positive about it is that the individual was quickly located and arrested. I mean, we do our utmost to prevent victimization, to prevent repeat victimization. Um, we're not always able to do that, but when a crime like this does happen, uh, I'm seeing very positive results from our personnel in terms of the identification, of locating and arresting of the perpetrators so we can bring them before the justice system. And really from our police department perspective, if we're not able to prevent it, we have to be able to get on this quickly, identify who's responsible, and stop them from repeating their acts with uh, other victims. So a couple of things in that, sir, that I want to, I know what I'm going to share with you is a little bit outside your purview, but you said, hey, Chris, we've got to stop these people from repeat offenses. I want to share with you just sort of what this gentleman has done over the past few years, uh, thanks to our crime and investigative reporter, Bailey Hurley, and then just give you a chance to respond. I realize this is more the judicial system, but you said, hey, Chris, we've got to do what we can to stop these acts. So let's just let our audience get some more context and we'll talk about it. Okay, sure. Thank you. Yeah, officials say Arthur Colley was still on probation during last Friday's brutal attack, stemming from charges of another assault back in April 2017, this time on a correctional officer in Mandan, North Dakota, where documents say Colley struck an officer at the North Dakota Youth Correctional Center multiple times in the face and was later convicted of assault on an officer and disorderly conduct. Now, Colley was sentenced to one year behind bars and placed on supervised probation, which would only be extended after court documents say he had possession of and fired a gun inside his Fargo apartment back in December 2020. Documents say in that case, police, Fargo police responded to the 4400 block of 9th Avenue Circle South for a single gunshot after neighbors said they also heard yelling and door slamming. When police arrived, they stated Kali act dazed or intoxicated and told officers that the loud noise was just him hitting his head. Police later found a rifle, a pistol, and ammunition in Kali's unit, as well as two spent shell casings under Kali's deck. Now, records also show Kali has been arrested and convicted twice already this year, once for fighting at Fort Knox in downtown Fargo and then running from police, the other for trespassing at a South Fargo gas station. Uh, people hear that and they go, how is this guy walking around on the streets? Sure. Well, uh, I think you're correct. Uh, <clears throat> you, you know, the criminal justice system is made up of a number of parts. Uh, law enforcement has their their obligations and their, and their part of the, of the pie, if you will. Uh, our prosecutors and our judges have the other piece. Um, and so I, we need to be reaching out to them so that the, we understand and have the same perspective on who these 20%, um, if you would, uh, that are committing a large amount of crimes, uh, who they are and focus in on that. And when it comes time for charging and sentencing, uh, ask them to take that into consideration. Uh, we, I've actually I just met a week ago with the state attorney staff here in Cass County and really hadn't had a chance to do that with COVID and everything and got to talk with all of them about very similar issues. You know, the the uh, the bail situation, um, as you know, earlier this year, we thwarted, uh, you know, working with our community to that would have put us in a position where everyone that committed a misdemeanor would walk out of jail without bail at all which completely perverts the science on high-risk versus low-risk offenders. Uh, you know, Mr. Colley obviously would be one of those individuals that deserves more focus. 
Uh, and so we're doing our part to, to do that and to present that to our prosecutors uh, for them to present to the, uh, to the judges uh, in these situations so that we, you know, we don't need everybody in jail, but there are certain people that really cannot conform to societal standards and do need to be locked up regardless of bail, uh, regardless of money. And there's a lot of folks who commit crimes that are in their low risk in terms of their ability to repeat or their, um, their potential to, re to victimize others. They don't need to be sitting in jail. So you've got really a high risk and a low risk uh, analysis. And we need to be working in concert with our, our state's attorneys and our judges and identifying our high risk folks, taking appropriate action to make sure they're not out there to victimize other people. So this is a tough question for you, Chief. Um, so I know you have to work with them, and yet I know you've got a couple of daughters based on what I saw in a bio on you. And you look at the situation, the guy, you know, assaulted a correctional officer, fires a weapon, been arrested two times this year. Did the judicial system fail the Paulson family and Jupiter? Well, you know, I don't know all of the details of those cases or why those decisions were made. Um, I guess that's probably a question better posed to to that part of the judicial system. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can tell you that we do everything on our part. And in, in some instances, the state's attorneys don't have everything that they need to successfully prosecute. That's our responsibility to make sure that we've covered all of the investigative bases, you know, found all the evidence, processed it, presented a good case so that they can carry it forward. Uh, from there, it's in their hands. Uh, so, I mean, it's it has to be a team effort. And I think we have to all be focused on the same philosophy. Uh, the prevention of repeat victimization is a, a really should be a very high goal for all of us. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to identify who these folks are who, uh, for whatever reason, uh, really can't conform to societal norms. They're, they're dangerous. They're aggressive. And if let out, they're very likely to repeat these crimes. And uh, I think instead of focusing on how we can get more people out of jail, and I'm totally supportive of someone who's going to appear in court on a, as a low-risk individual not sitting in jail, we need to have the ability to hold those who are dangerous to the public in jail. Uh, and that's that's a much larger discussion across the ju judicial system. Uh, some states are looking at that, uh, but I think that's uh, a really an important thing for us to be working on collectively going forward to keep our community safe. So even prior to the situation with Jupiter, based on this person's record, would you consider Mr. Cauley dangerous? Well, it sounds like to me, I wasn't familiar with his record, but listening to your uh, to your overview of it, yeah, it sounds like he's uh, got some dangerous propensities. Again, without knowing all the details or the hows and the whys, sometimes there's situations that cause certain decisions to be made in the judicial system. Um, I think by and large over the last year because of COVID, I mean, there's a lot of places that haven't even had trials. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a backlog to the system there uh, in terms of our ability to really exercise the criminal justice system. I mean, a lot of places, their jails weren't holding as many people, their courts weren't set up or, or designed, or they never implemented a plan to actually hold jury trials on these cases. So you have all these people who um, either would have been, already been through a jury trial and either been acquitted or convicted and then possibly in prison, but they, they haven't even gotten to that point. And I think uh, what I see here in, in Cass County that we're uh, better often in some other places, but I'm aware of places in Wisconsin per se where I came from where it's been over a year and certain counties haven't had jury trials. 
Well, that didn't stop the crimes from being committed, and that doesn't stop the suspects from committing them. But they're out in the community because no one's holding them in jail while we're waiting to hold that trial and find out whether or not they should go to prison. I think that really adds to maybe some of the why nationally we're seeing such a surge. We have a whole bunch of people that have not been held accountable for crimes we know that you know they've already been arrested and, and uh, charged with. So, Ryan, somebody asked me earlier today, and you just mentioned, hey, Chris, we've got 20% of the people that are um, committing the majority of these crimes. Um, do you have some kind of program in place? I mean, were you watching Mr. Cauley at all and then have kind of a somebody that's out going, hey, let's keep an eye on this guy because we know he's a repeat offender. Do you have anything like that that you're doing right now? Well, what we're in the process of transitioning to is uh, more of a, and they've had intelligence-led policing here, but we're refocusing that a little bit and, and focusing on the 20% of suspects who commit 50% of our crime. Um, and also adding in our crime analytics back into play in terms of crime trends in certain areas and certain um, shifts and, and starting to identify potential suspects. So uh, we use a host of you know, intelligence and crime analysis to try and identify who these folks are. Uh, sometimes it starts with a string of crimes like we had in the last couple of days. You know, we don't know who the suspect is, but we, we know we have a string of connected crimes. We need to get on it as quickly as possible, identify who the suspect is, uh, locate an arrest, and then bring it before the state's attorney's office. Uh, some other things may be more um, proactive in nature, where we have folks that we know are out of prison or are uh, habitually violent in nature, uh, and that we may, by virtue of that, uh, can't kind of keep a closer eye on their activities. But really, uh, it's kind of a, a whole host of intelligence-led crime analysis type of uh, approach to keeping the community safe. Sir, I've just got three more questions. I want to be respectful of your time because you said, hey, Chris, 10 minutes and we're at 13. So are you okay? Just a few more questions, sure. sir. Um, so is there anything that you feel the department could have done better or can do better in the future to prevent a Jupiter Paulson type of situation? Well, I don't know if there's anything that the department could have done. Uh, I guess, again, looking back at his background and, and uh, some of his other crimes, um, I think going forward, our sense of urgency about um, identifying these perpetrators, conducting the investigations, and then quickly locating and arresting them uh, is certainly uh, a goal and, and a transition that we're working towards. And, um, you know, don't take that wrong. Everyone here has uh, really put forth great effort um, and, and that's what our cops and detectives do. But philosophically, um, trying to kind of drill down a little bit more and make it more specific to that small group of folks who are involved in these types of incidents. Uh, and again, partnering with our community, you know, uh, continue to expand those partnerships because they're extremely helpful. There's people in the community that know a lot of folks who are involved in some of these incidents. And if they uh, trust our department and they feel confident in letting us know that information in terms of their own safety and our ability to quickly and properly locate arrest and bring the case before the judicial system, they're going to work with us. And so those relationships are extremely important as well. And, you know, in the big picture, it's really the police in the community and people in their neighborhoods working with us to keep, to keep them, to keep us safe and to keep uh, crime from being committed. Yeah, it really takes all of that. Two more questions. Or one, maybe fairly quick. Any update on the shooting that took place at the Africa restaurant? Uh, no, we don't have any uh, significant update to provide at this time. That's an ongoing investigation. 
Any suspects? Uh, this time we are still in the midst of that investigation. That's a rather in-depth uh, scenario. So it's going to take right. some time. Thank you. And then I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the Fargo crime report is supposed to be released fairly soon. I've heard Monday. Any update on that? And are you seeing crime up in 2020 in Fargo? What, any numbers you can share with us? Well, uh, yeah, we'll be releasing the uh, annual slash mid-year. So what we did was combine 2020 and then mid-year into 21 because there's been a number of changes that have taken place since they started. Uh, so we're trying to really focus on those changes and how the department is transitioning. Um, I guess under new leadership. Uh, I'm, I'll have more to say on that when I release the official report to the commission. So I think we'll just wait for that. Give them the first okay. opportunity. <laughs> Is that coming out Monday night? Yeah, Monday at the commission. All right, uh, Chief Zabolski, thank you so much. I know we went over time here, but it's just there's so much to talk about. So I appreciate you being um, so generous with your time. We look forward to having you back. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much to Fargo Police Chief Dave Zabolski. We went beyond the time that he suggested. So I appreciate him being so. Uh, gracious with his time there. Obviously, a lot to discuss right now with what's happening here in Fargo. Again, reminder, Monday night, he's going to release the uh, the crime report there for our community. So obviously, we'll be talking about that on Monday. All right, stay with us when we come back. Eugene Grainer talks about inflation, the latest crop report, and much more. Please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back. <music> 